John, why do you think that in an era, you know, where China yeah. is a great threat possibly yes. to us, that for many people, Hungary, yeah. you know, with a population of less than 10 million and yeah. a small economy, is considered to be sort of the great enemy. You know, why is it demonized? Well, it's demonized because I think it represents a society which we all of us remember from the societies in which we grew up, in which the um, government is not particularly interested in your ideas. Um, it lets you get on with life. Mm. Um, it is in the old-fashioned uh, sense of live and let live. It yeah. is liberal. Yeah. Um, and that's true for conservative governments in the past as well. What you now have is governments uh, which um, really constantly examine their subjects' morality mm. and want to actually change this morality and make, persuade them to adopt another one. If you think that odd, think of the way the Scottish government now is trying to say that even conversations around a family dinner yeah, table yeah. should now be, um, uh, in a sense, listened to, recorded, reported for, quote, I think racism and mm. other things like that. Well. I would be less worried about that. I'm worried about it, but I might be less worried if I thought that the definite racism that is going to be applied by the people who invent laws like that is an honest and realistic one. Mm. I don't think it's likely to be. I think it's likely to be something that where they will be used against their enemies. And of course, they will corrupt the family yeah. uh, if they persuade wives and children and husbands to inform against each other. Uh, if, uh, the, the, uh, even Marx himself uh, regarded the family as a haven mm. against what is, you know, the struggle for existence and all the difficulties of everyday life. And I think that that's the, this society is one that would still hold to that conviction. And that's a broad thing. Let me just magnify slightly in a couple of ways. Um, I don't think the Hungarian government, for example, has the slightest interest in whether you go to church on Sunday, and if so, which church you go to. Right. But they do think that the traditional morality and religious views of the Hungarian people, and there are lots of these views, um, deserve the respect of the law and of international law and mm -hmm. organizations. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that the Hungarian government, I'm not talking about just this government, but um, most governments at the present here, um, they, well, sorry, we had a communist period. They did care, and they did in, in, um, in, in instruct, rule, constantly monitor the opinions of their subjects mm -hmm. to make sure that they fitted, uh, fitted the prescribed communist point of view. Um, that's why people here don't like that. They yeah. remember it. They remember it's, it's easier for them to connect yes. the kind of instructions that are issued by Brussels and by modern governments in countries like France and Germany to their citizens. Or easier for them to, to connect that with the kind of oppressive government that they had uh, under the communists. Because remember, communism um, wasn't simply oppression. It was oppression plus preaching mm. and you had to sort of affirm things which you knew to be false because they were the doctrine of the ruling party and we're beginning to find that aren't we mm. in the woke revolution where people get fired from jobs 
because um, they don't have the correct view on something. Um, they won't affirm what's regarded as the correct view. And that's why in this country, they look at other countries and they say, we're freer. Yeah. We don't have this governments and public bodies con continually monitoring our attitudes, our social mm -hmm. attitudes. And um, I have to say, that used to be the case in England, but this kind of monitoring of attitudes, as we see in Scotland, um, is creeping in into um, Great Britain too. That, that is really frightening, actually, what's happening in Scotland. Mm. Uh, and indeed, possibly might happen in England, mm. know, because I think the Law sure. Commission came up with very similar mm. yes, that's right. um, uh, um, possible uh, changes to the law. Um, so basically, would you say that, would you say that uh, Hungary preserving the family and believing in Hungarian history and culture and therefore wanting to preserve it. Are those factors the ones which cause such anger, if you like, in the kind of woke um, liberal elites of the West? Is that why it so goes for Hungary? I think there's another element in this which you have to take into account. And that is that Viktor Orban and the present government here are known to be uh, obstacles to the development of Europe as a single, um, as, either as a federation or indeed as a unitary government, mm. uh, or as has been candidly admitted um, by politicians like the uh, uh, Guy Verhofstadt or the French um, finance minister. Um, they've candidly admitted that they see Europe as an empire. Um, I don't think they mean quite all of the um, kind of imperial uh, nostalgia ideas. I think that they mean that this a single bo a single um, sort government has got to decide the main issues, and since that government will not really be aware of the opinions in places as different as Portugal and Finland. Uh, nonetheless, they may make mistakes, therefore, in trying to have a law that fits all of these different countries, but we'll just have to live with that mistake because the important thing is to have a single European identity, a single European government, yeah. single European flag and so on. Uh, the, all of these things without the prior necessity of a single European people. We don't have that, we're not likely to get it, and that's why a government run on that basis is always going to be a tyranny, not just tyranny that shoots people, takes people off buses and shoots them the way the Germans did in Warsaw during the war, but a tyranny which continually imposes regulations on what you want to do if you're mm. a businessman, mm. how you should think and feel, what you can watch on television, and of course, increasingly, there's the prospect, the prospect that we may live in a social credit society in which if we express the wrong attitudes or don't appear at the right occasions where the, where the authorities would like us to appear, we will find that we're not allowed to travel or we're not allowed to spend money on certain activities. Mm -hmm. I think we have to worry very much about that kind of a, of a government by what I would call a, a oppressive regulation. Mm. What do you think Britain, as it stands now, what do you think Britain could learn from Hungary? Um, what are the things that Hungary, particularly under Orban, ha mm. has done in the past a decade mm. that you think Britain should emulate? 
Well, I think we should emulate something we used to have very much, which was we were a fairly relaxed society. I mean, society was more important than government. Um, most people in the England I grew up weren't continually thinking about the government. Elections were um, uh, every five years, and there was a bit of excitement. Uh, kind of almost, they, people treated election uh, campaigns as a source of entertainment and excitement. Of course, there was real, real principles were being disputed, but you didn't have the phenomenon of people who wouldn't date or marry mm. um, somebody who had the opposite political uh, partisan identity. It seems to me today, it seems completely absurd that, uh, that because after all, half the people that I dated with uh, were in fact people I disagreed with. I used to like dating left-wing girls because it gave you a topic of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, but th th this is a, a huge thing. I mean, uh, the, the way in which people have become tribal yeah. now in, in the UK. Um, also, there is this sort of thing whereby what you believe is a moral signifier, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, you certainly yeah. get that in Britain. So basically, you would like, you think that we should be, be more relaxed, like as we were. Yeah. What other particular things do you think that has happened in, in Hungary? For example, uh, on immigration, they, mm. they, you know, they famously have come to loggerheads with the yeah. EU about this, much tougher, but it seems to have worked quite well. Well, of course, a lot of the people who denounced, uh, in Europe, yeah. who denounced the uh, uh, government here, Mr. Norban, as a fascist and so on, over his decision to um, actually to follow European Union rules and insist that people entering the first country they came to in the EU would have to be properly registered, which, of course, many of the um, asylum seekers were not willing to do because they didn't want to stay in Hungary. They wanted to go to Sweden or to Germany. So actually, the very first thing that he did, which started the crisis, so to speak, um, following um, uh, Angela Merkel's inviting everybody to Europe, um, the very first thing he did was following the rules, which she had not done. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, uh, she, um, the, uh, she was inviting people to come to Europe. Um, the Dublin rules suggested that they should go to one European country and there register. Um, whichever European country they happened to come to first, so to speak. Mm. So that, what was interesting was that the establishment lined up to attack um, Orban because he was in fact following their own mm. rules. Mm. And subsequently, of course, they all adopted the policy that he had advocated, including people who'd strongly denounced him. So that's why, I mean, that's one reason why there is resentment, I think. Um, uh, he has he exposed a certain hypocrisy yeah. in the European ruling establishment. A very good point in this is made by, um, in his book by Douglas Murray, uh, which is that he spoke to a, a Christian Democrat MP in Germany. The MP was uh, um, strongly in favor of liberal immigration rules and, um, uh, and, and was, against, was very much in against restrictioning, restriction policy. Um, Douglas asked him, um, but isn't it the case uh, that the reason you're not getting any immigrants now is because you've done a deal with the Turkish government not to let them through to Europe? And, and that's the reason yep. that you can afford a, an open policy, since you know no one is going to be allowed to come yeah. to the door in the first place. Well, the man um, just denied that this was the case. Everybody knows it's the case. But uh, European leadership seems to be more 
um, inclined to hypocrisy than national governments. And I think that's because they can, they're further away from a real electorate, they're further away from reality, and they can afford to pose without that pose being exposed as it yeah. would be in normal yeah. democratic debate. Yes. And also, uh, in, by the same token, there has been this um, preservation of the family unit here, and very particular, and also demographics as well. Is that Hungary's population was going down, wasn't it? And in fact, they were very, they've been quite successful, have they not, in actually kind of getting it up again? Yes. But they, uh, we shouldn't exaggerate their success. They don't. Right. Um, they make it plain that reversing a long-time downward trend of um, fertility uh, is something that is going to take yeah. more than one generation, and we have to acknowledge, we have to uh, realize that. And I, I agree. I think this is fundamentally the overall policy is the right policy. Um, Getting it right technically will take some time, mm. um, but, uh, but they, are, they are right to say that we, if we want Hungary to remain Hungary, then we really have to provide the population mm. that, will, um, that is Hungarian mm. and not rely on bringing in large numbers of people outside. Because as Europe has found, uh, and this has been admitted by all the serious students of it, what Europeans, European governments wanted was workers. Mm. What they got was people. Mm. And the people um, uh, then are either going to be absorbed into the population, they're going to be assimilated, they're going to become genuine citizens of that country, not simply legally so, uh, but emotionally, morally, uh, and uh, in other ways, uh, or they're not. And in addition to mass migration, um, European governments and European intellectuals have become very nervous about the idea of asking people to assimilate. It's not something that they were nervous about in the last century, no, in the no. 19th century, and half the first half of the 20th century. Mm. And those migrations were successfully absorbed. They strengthened rather than weakened the societies in which they happened. But that cannot happen if we encourage people to, re to remain, so to speak, separate in, in every, every sense other than the legal sense. And, and that's something which the Hungarians recognize and, um, and which in, to some extent is recognized in debate in other countries. Eric Zemmour makes the argument that uh, he's more concerned with assimilation uh, than with immigration because he wants um, people to come, but he wants them when they come, he wants them to become Frenchmen. And I think that's uh, rather than remaining some other thing. And I think that is uh, reasonable and indeed right. In Britain, the, the very word assimilate, assimilate mm. is not ever used now. I mean, it's, uh, even integrate is actually getting a bit dodgy now. Mm. You know, it's, sort of, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Do you think that there is a, a sense in which Hungary has sort of looked at the way that Western Europe has developed and America, whatever, mm. and they sort of think, well, we don't want that. Um, well, they certainly, there are some things they very definitely don't want, and which I think the government doesn't talk a lot about, but which nonetheless, I think uh, these considerations are in the mind of people, particularly when they vote. They don't want terrorism. Mm. Um, they look what's happening next door uh, in Western Europe, and they 
for example, look at the fact that French Jews are now uprooting themselves in considerable numbers and, and making, uh, uh, was it Ali, uh, sorry, yeah, and making a pilgrimage in effect to live in Israel. Now, that's um, uh, here, um, Jewish life, which of course suffered dreadfully in the Second World mm -hmm. War and the Holocaust, Jewish life has received a great deal of support uh, from the government. And there are a lot of, uh, the, and it's, it's flourishing. Mm. And Jewish institutions and, um, are now exist here and, and, and have the respect of the population. So um, it's perfectly true that anti-Semitism was socially embedded in the past, but it is, receives no support now. and um, and is you know a declining factor in people's anxieties i think we actually went to um, some uh, synagogues mm. this morning mm. including the the relatively new one mm. uh, which was put up and mm. um, you know this is interesting i mean yeah. it was evidence of a quite flourishing well that's true and of course the the, the great synagogue here is a, mm. is a wonderful building oh, and wonderful. in addition to everything else of course it's a tourist attraction as, as is, uh, uh, as are two of the major Catholic churches. This is an interesting country religiously. People think of um, Hungary as a Catholic country, and uh, it's perfectly true that that's probably the largest number of people who claim to be Catholic. But there's a very flourishing uh, set of Protestant traditions. Uh, there is uh, Calvinism here. Mm -hmm. and. Um, in the past, these religious divisions would have been social divisions as well. But my impression is, as in Britain in the, by the mid-50s, those kind of distinctions had ceased to be um, matters of um, uh, difficulty and anguish and mm -hmm. so on. Um, for example, the Prime Minister is, 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 an, is a Calvinist and he's married to a Catholic. Yes. And, uh, in accordance with some old-fashioned aristocratic traditions, I think the girls were brought up as Catholics, and the boys as Protestants, <laughs> the religion of their father and mother and so on. Um, I think those, the, the, um, this, we, should not, we should not, on the other hand, think that religion has not been damaged by the years of communism. Mm. And, if you, and one thing we haven't mentioned, which is perhaps important, is this. When all of the East European, Central European countries um, emerged from communism, they did so with a very damaged um, moral psyche. And that was because um, religion had been penalized quite seriously um, in those years. If you went to church, the likelihood is your son or daughter could not go to university. Um, people were fired from their positions. They were in effect directed into low-level jobs, um, like, um, for example, you know, working stoking. For example, one Czech cabinet minister told me after he'd spoken out that the communists sent him to to be a stoker, which he did for the next ten years or something. Um, now, um, the, what the effect of that was with one or two people to make them fervently religious. And, and, but most people don't have the mm. strong um, moral backbone to do that. And so you get quite a, you have a lot of people who emerged with 
completely cynical about communism, regarding uh, Marxism's moral claims to be absolutely ridiculous and a, and a cover for the most rapacious uh, social uh, greed and, and, and um, uh, other vices in, in the communist elite. Uh, and the, this, but this lack of belief in communism led to um, a moral vacuum. Mm. And that's going to be a bit, take a bit longer uh, to, 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 in a sense, uh, fill that yeah. uh, with the people who are unhappy. Some will die, of course, in the nat nat course, natural course of things. The question, therefore, is how can we instill in people uh, strong, decent moral values through education? And that's, of course, why the government is interested in education as a method of transmitting existing moral traditions in society. And, of course, they look at America and they see uh, mm. the woke university transmitting not the traditional values of society, but a repudiation of them, coupled with what looked like the old ideas of the communists, which led to such moral disaster and to the moral vacuum in their own societies. So. Here you will find quite interesting criticisms of the woke world that they see on the other side of Europe and in America. Um, uh, they look at this and say, that's the kind of thing we're used to hear from the communist government. You mentioned their education and, and why it needs to, or in, in Hungary, uh, carry on these uh, moral uh, values and traditions. Uh, that would seem to be the case with MCC here in, yes. in Hungary, um, which you know we've spoken to uh, the head of the M mm. MCC. Um, this has been characterised, John, as being um, an educational pro project which sort of aims to create a, a new conservative elite. Would you say that that is a good characterisation or not? Um. I don't think it's the whole truth. No. I think partly it's the truth. I think that um, what they thought they saw in uh, an institution like the Central Universe, uh, European University founded by Soros was undoubtedly a good university, but they thought that some departments of it um, were in effect producing cadres of a left-wing character to, uh, for, for Hungarian society. And I think that that element may be present. Uh, in, a, in essence, um, it can be sinister. Uh, sorry, not in essence. In, it, it can be sinister, but in fact, I don't think it is for this reason, that what they're doing is they're trying to produce good professionals. Mm -hmm. And what we, we should be trying to do in England, for example, looking at the, uh, the foreign, looking at the um, um, civil service, uh, we don't want to have people who join the civil service in order to mm. transform society. Um, it's not their job. Their job is to run society effectively on behalf of the government and uh, so on. Now here, I think they're doing the same thing. I think that, that all the people I've met from, the, from that school, uh, from MCC, and I've not met all that many, but I've been to many of the meetings. The younger people you meet there seem to me to be being um, educated to be first-class professionals in their yeah, field. Yeah. The difference is that this is an institution, as, our, as, as I understand it, which in a sense uh, recruits um, 
people who could need a helping hand and takes them through university and beyond. It is attempting to, in a sense, um, uh, to, give them, to give them at every stage of their lives a, an opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing. Um, it's something that happens in our society in, in the past quite normally. I mean, what are scholarships? Yes, uh, yes. And, and, it's an, and th this is fundamentally a scholarship program on a big, on a big scale with a lot of thought that's gone into it. And um, the, the, the kind of education they get is, I think, a, a very solid one. That, by the way, one should say that the one thing you might say about the communist period, although a lot of it was indoctrination, they did in fact teach traditional subjects mm. quite well. <laughs> and so people emerged from, um, from a, a good gymnasium uh, and the communist years here, and you know they emerged with maybe timid and fearful of the authorities, anxious to parrot communist propaganda, but they could, they knew their subjects yeah. and they were able, in a, if they could shake off that indoctrination, they were able to compete in the world. And, 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 um, and they, of course, have a record of doing well outside Hungary. When I first heard about MCC, for example, um, I was really excited about this idea, you know, yeah. there was this, this new... Uh, Project. And, I, and I remain so because I still think, why can't Britain have something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, th that was my, my, my yeah. feeling about it. I mean, it would be wonderful Nick, when you when you look now at the way that people say, you know, in our schools particularly, indoctrination seems to be pretty rampant now, um, and there are just examples every day. Yeah. Um, something like MCC in Britain would surely help the situation, wouldn't it? Examples of what then? Well, um, examples of, well, for example, political indoctrination by, uh, by teachers, yeah, yeah. Um, whether it be crude, like writing hostile letters to the yeah. Prime Minister, yes. right, right through more importantly to yeah. these identity politics seminars that kids have even at a very young yes, age, of course. trans identity, yeah. Yeah. kids in Brighton being uh, taught they are not, they are racially, uh, they are not racially innocent, things like yeah. this. What you're describing is indeed sinister because it is the inculcation and enforcement of a particular metaphysics um, of um, uh, ruling and, um, and being ruled and ruling oneself. It, it does not, it's not t teaching people to think seriously about religion or about social justice or about public morality. It's teaching them instead to sign up to, for a kind of red guards um, ideology, simple-minded ideology, which is nonetheless, um, it, but nonetheless includes um, the idea of a brutal enforcement on other uh, on people, other people of their own age, but on their teachers. I mean, if we all of these woke ideas originally flowered in the uh, in the cultural revolution in china mm. you know pupils murdered the teacher mm. teachers in that um that they they beat them savagely now i mean there might be a few children at school who've wanted to do that in fantasies but the idea of society actually approving of this and using the children as a way of changing 
the mental outlook of an older generation, which is one purpose of that, um, is absolutely vile. And and we um, and that's why you know they. This liberal, a, a liberal society like the ones we've we have lived in all our lives, um, is is very strongly preferable to a society of regimentation, where you are, you don't achieve order in society um, by rules which say these are things you can quarrel about, of course, but you're not allowed to enforce your will by violence, um, in, in, and because of course. That's what a liberal society is like, learning to live and let live. It's you know, the old remark in a pub row, well, it's a free country. It's basically a, it's basically a polite form of disagreement. Yes. I say that to you when I'm disagreeing with you, but saying, well, you legitimate, you do that. Now, that's not the rule in, in a woke society, um, either in the 1960s Chinese Cultural Revolution or today in advanced and good universities. The, the rule there is, um, it's not a free society because you're not allowed and shouldn't be allowed mm. to express that opinion. So, so uh, effectively, um, we, are, we have a choice made here. And this country, in the sense which I've just used the word liberal, is still that country. You, you can express points of view um, which are, differ from the ruling class. And there isn't fundamentally a ruling elite which is interested in transforming you it's interested in giving you the opportunity to learn, uh, and um, I don't want to. I don't want to idealize this place. There's yeah, lots wrong yeah, with it, yeah. but it's simply not falling victim to the to the worst follies of the age, um, which are to be seen in places like Harvard and and Cambridge, um, and um, and in which are a good example of the old classical line: the corruption of the best is the worst possible outcome and um, or you know yeah. um, what is it lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds <laughs> yeah actually you know uh, you mentioned that people said it's a free country in order to mm. disagree politely yeah. uh, you just don't hear that anymore mm. you don't hear it very mm. rarely do you hear it said in conversation yeah interesting isn't it yeah. um, finally Tom thank you for finally um, I met uh, recently here a young journalist from America and he'd moved to Hungary yeah. and his reasoning he said was because he got tired of being a fish swimming in poisoned waters that's how he put it mm, yes and I immediately saw what he mm. meant mm. do you understand that too? I mean do you understand what he meant? Yes, I mean, I think I would understand it if I hadn't uh, also um, seen societies in, in, which illustrate that. And I think we can all understand it, really. Yeah. It's a, quite a, it's, it's a good metaphor for, yeah. for this. Um, One of the reasons may be that in the UK, and far less so, but unfortunately in America too, yeah. uh, that this kind of woke ideology has taken root is because there was this already this kind of self-hatred, self-criticism, yeah. which had got out of hand, if you like. Uh, is that the situation in Hungary? I mean, is there that level of self-criticism anyway, historically? Or, um, is that, or is it sort of really sort of therefore, you know, in yes. some ways it's sort of protected from, from woke in that way? Um, 
I think it, it is said by the Hungarians themselves uh, that, um, and sometimes by critics, that uh, Hungary is, the, uh, the Hungarians are the loneliest people in Europe. And by that, um, I th people mean that this is a country in which all of their surrounding neighbors speak a language that is completely different mm. to their language. Um, it's not, their language is not a Romance language, like the Romanians, it's not a Slav language, and it's not any, bears very little relationship to the German and French languages, all of the dominant languages of, of Western Europe. And um, they have a good relationship with the Italians, which is interesting, but, it, but, but they do feel, I think, to be isolated and, um, and to um, have little defense uh, against enemies. This is a place which is basically a plain, and uh, it, they don't, uh, and they don't have like another um, people like the Swiss. They don't have um, the defences of either money or mountains that the Swiss have got, mm. um, and so they are, feel, I think, always vulnerable, vul vulnerable, and um, and that's um, that that's an awkward feeling. Uh, and I do think that they have, they, these facts mean, and their history has given them a, a pessimism. Mm. Um, but I think their experience of the two, living under two dictatorships, the, um, the, the, particularly, I mean, the period in which Arrow Cross under German auspices in the 1944 ran them in an extraordinarily cruel and vicious way as bad as or worse than the Nazis, people will, will tell you. And then the communists who were in power for a very long time and softened towards the end, but nonetheless, mm. for a lot of the time, were an oppressive, very oppressive regime. And I think that has given them partly a toughness, but also it's given them the sense that they can recognize, um, um, they can recognize an oppressive set of ideas when they see it. They feel it, they hear it, they, and, and they don't think that that's true for you and me. They think that, in a sense, we've lived pampered lives in regard to oppressive governments. And they, and they, they admire, very often, our institutions and ourselves. Be interesting, I mean, I, when, I, when I'm listening to people talk about England in England, I find a, this cultural self hatred is very strong uh, again and again, particularly, of course, in the Remainer, uh, people with the Remainer opinions, but, but then their opinions probably dictated their Remainerishness. And I then remember, I was then, I was in Prague uh, with Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which drew upon any number of um, other countries. We had, we broadcast services uh, to 22 countries in 28 languages. And when the expenses scandal broke, you know, the parliamentary expenses scandal broke in England, I would be sitting. I would be sitting in the coffee shop in the in the bill in our building, and people would come up to me and they would say, "I'm so, I'm so sorry, John. Mm. I'm so sorry for you." I'm, I'm, I wondered what they meant. They say, "Well, you must be horribly." disappointed uh, at the expenses scandal. We never thought mm. something like that could happen 
in, in England. It's, it's so... Now, you realize that the, the, uh, these people from you know, the Central Asians, from Afghanistan, from um, Eastern Europe, from the Balkans, you realize that these people had a very clear idea of England. Was it an accurate idea? Well, I think it had been an accurate idea. And the sight of it, in a sense, crumbling, even at the edges, was sort of discouraging yeah. to them, depressing to them. And, um, and, you, and, and you, it gave me a sort of, uh, I would reassure them, I'd say, you know, England hasn't disappeared or anything. Some people have committed sins and crimes, and, but you know, mustn't think that the society has completely changed. And I think I was right in saying that. Not as right as I would wish, but still more or less right. And, and um, yeah, I think when you are looking at another country like this uh, and wondering how it is, uh, what its attitudes are, think about what it feels about Britain. Mm. Because they generally have a very high regard for Britain mm. and, they, and a very, an admiration. Um, and a lot of people have lived there. And they, by the way, when you meet people say, oh, I lived in, I lived yes. in Norwich for yeah. a while. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they would, uh, I'd say, oh, really? Oh, yes, had a lovely time. And, and they, uh, they almost always speak very well uh, about England. So the view isn't simply a historical one. It's a view of today. And, and um, I think that when this, they are looking at their own state of affairs, they tended to make us um, a kind of um, uh, a model against which to compare. Uh, that's why I think there was genuine uh, distress about Brexit here sometimes from people who didn't want to lose us. You know, mm. and that's quite true. I mean, they, uh, and I, I was a Bre I am a Brexiteer, and I would say, well, I understand that it's flattering, but you know, um, we shouldn't. Um, uh, we 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 have interests of our own. We have to preserve. So here, I think, if we looked at this this country here we would say about it, you know, this is a place which has had a much tougher time than we have. Um, but it's better than it was. Uh, and one of the things that I notice about it is it's a bit more, in a curious way, like we used to be. And they, they, those aspects of their life um, they value and as we once valued. And it's extraordinary to me that a country which, in a sense, they look up to uh, in many respects is a country um, that um, uh, 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 is a country which I am now finding and saying, I feel very comfortable here. Mm. And by the way, I don't think there'll be a change of government in the elections. I, not involved in that at all. But um, if there were a change of government, I think that um, in this respect, I think the Hungarians will be, uh, uh, they, they, I, I don't think Hungary will change from the kind of country it is to one I would like less. It's a lovely way of finishing. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, May I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. 
Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you. Thank you.